Hey everyone, and welcome to Unison Christian Church, the podcast. We exist to change our community with the life-changing truth of Jesus, elevate a culture of love and holistic growth, and serve as a family built on hope. Our desire is that today's message helps you discover fresh new ways of connecting with God. Now, here is today's message. Hey, uh, we are starting a sermon series this Sunday. Um, It'll be a four-week sermon series called Misconceptions. Um, And uh, it's, of course, when you hear a sermon title like, or excuse me, a sermon series title like Misconceptions, of course, you, uh, you get some thoughts in your head, and that's good. Let your imagination run wild with that for a little bit. But this is a kind of a two-purpose sermon series. One of them is I get to introduce um, our family as we are now one household. That's we were really two households and now one. And even folks who are kind of coming in, who are joining a part of, you know, becoming a part of Unison, who weren't a part of our other household, <laughs> um, you get to uh, meet some of the individuals who are part of our teaching team. And, um, and one of the things that we do when we're planning sermon series is we always ask, um, before we start actually diving into the, the deep, you know, end of the pool of planning, how is the Lord working with you in Scripture? So we just kind of talk about that. Um, and in our last meeting, before we started planning, it was like super clear that the Lord was breaking up some misconceptions in us as it related to, um, to Scripture, which was like, oh, that's a really cool thing to see. Literally in all four of us, um, God has been taking us on this journey where things that we've learned based upon culture and things that we've learned over time, the Holy Spirit is revealing, mm, it's not quite that. <laughs> uh, it's, it's not what you thought it was. It's this over here. Uh, and so that's kind of what this is. You get to kind of know a little bit about, honestly, what God's been doing with us. Um, and the longer you're walking with God, I feel like if we're actually pursuing intimacy with the Holy Spirit, the more often this happens in our life. We'll read something randomly <laughs> in Galatian, and you'll something will like, wait a minute, that is not what I thought that was, and what is this? And that's good. It's good. We get two choices uh, in that moment. We can uh, declare our allegiance to what we know, and ignore what we are experiencing in that moment, um, or we can allow ourselves to be vulnerable and say, Holy Spirit, I feel or I get a sense that something I'm receiving something different in Scripture than what I know, and that's a weird space for me. So I generally take notes right there. I'm like, mm, that does not align with what I know. <laughs> uh, and, um, and then I just let it sit there for a minute while I pray and then move on. And God's always been faithful to reveal, like, that's why you felt different reading that. And so you kind of get a little bit about, you'll get some of that from us as teachers this, in this sermon series. Uh, and so... We'll be talking candidly really about how God has been refining us in the last few months. And um, for me, it is chasing big. Um, uh, God's really been over quite a while now working with me specifically about the concept of chasing big. Uh, 
And, um, and that's, uh, it, it has an interesting kind of like roller coaster to it. So I'm going to take you on the journey with me. We'll be in Matthew. Uh, there's two por portions of scripture that we'll be looking at. Uh, Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. And then there's uh, Matthew 25, 31 through 40. Both of those are not like super unfamiliar passages, you know, to us. Like if you've been hanging out with Jesus for, you know, for a few years now, this would have been something you would have heard. Or if someone told you when you first came to Christ that, like, hey, you should read through the Gospels. That's not, this isn't going to be new information to you. If you are newer in your walk with Christ, then you get to have a moment where you don't get some misconceptions. <laughs> so you get to uh, kind of get uh, some clarity on the idea of chasing big before, um, you, before you have to change that. So our culture um, before we jump into that, our culture, uh, really, we, we learn that bigger is better. It just is what it is. More is better. Even when I first like, was uh, getting into ministry, the idea of growing your church was important, Right? Like, it just was like the, like the more people, and like, we would even talk about the idea that, like, and even kind of in some ways make it holy, right? Like, I even said, like, when we first launched, the more people pursuing Christ together, the better, right? <laughs> That's a part of us kind of in some ways making ourselves feel good about the idea of more. Like, we, we attribute that to something that's godly. But the truth is, it's not bad, but the truth is, it aligns with what we've learned in terms of our culture as human beings here on the planet Earth in America in the 20th and now 21st century. Bigger is better. More is better. The more people you have following you on social media, the better. The more people you have who like your post, the better. The more people that you have visiting your store, the better. The more people you have in your church, the better. The more moments that you get to have as, uh, as a family of God where you get to experience things being exciting and good and fun, and that's better. That's not bad. Ultimately, I think one of the things that we've learned is that that actually creates anxiety for us as believers more so than it actually creates peace for us. Like one of the things that I noticed is like, and, and some of you don't get this, but if you've been in ministry for a while or if you've been around pastors and you, they, they ask each other, like, how many people attend your church? Have you ever, like, like how many, so how many people at the church? Oh, there's, you know, like, yeah, we got, like, uh, 200. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, well, there's 2,000. Okay, all right. Well, there's, like, 75 people coming, like, but here's what happened. <laughs> like, we had, you know, we had this thing happen, and then COVID, and then people haven't really come back, and, right, like, we, we experience anxiety around attendance. I'm just being honest with you. We do, right? Don's like, yep, we do. <laughs> we, we do. We experience anxiety around attendance, and it's not, be it's not because the Bible tells us to. We experience anxiety around attendance because all the pastors around us ta taught us that that's what we're supposed to do. We feel like we're doing things right when we got 2,000 people as a part of our church. But that's not an actual biblical concept. 
And then what we do is we point to when, like, Peter on the, you know, on the day of Pentecost, and he, like, he went and he preached, and then 3,000 people came to know, like, them 3,000 people went home. <laughs> they didn't all show, they didn't all go to the church. <laughs> they didn't all join the church of Jerusalem. They went home. They were from all over the place. We teach each other as pastors that God's view of success in ministry is the same as the world's view of success, and it's not. And what we do is then we start living based upon that, and then we know what grows a church. We do. We know really, really good music grows a church. We know really, really exciting teaching grows a church. We know a really, really good children's ministry will grow a church. And we stop focusing on what actually grows disciples. Right? That's, that's not the Bible. That's us chasing big. But it goes a little bit further than that. Because we also, as believers, learn to look for experiences that make me, know, make me feel like I'm growing. Right? When I, because most of you have like a, some of you know the moment you gave your life to Christ, right? Because we were taught to think about it that way. Like, when did you pray the prayer? Like, I legitimately have on the calendar when I did. I remember the date. It was August 8th. And so a random thing about me, that's why my favorite number is 64, because 8 times 8 is 64. <laughs> it's my random way of remembering when I said a prayer, cool. I actually have it on when my kids did too. Like I have it on my calendar the moment that they prayed. And this, because I learned that there was something about that moment that was, in, that was important. And I'm not saying that there, it's not important. So I want to make sure that I say that right now. It's still a cool day. But then we also start looking for like when I got baptized or when this happened or when that happened. And then what we end up doing is we begin to chase experiences. I've had enough conversations with believers now who are in a rut spiritually who believe they need to get baptized again because our, the way in which we process our spiritual growth is one mountain moment after another never considering the valleys and the plains and being on the highway in Nevada, which you feel like nothing's changing. We have those in our soul too. But we keep telling each other to look for something big. And so, really the Holy Spirit's been working through me about the idea of chasing big. And so, that's kind of where we come in at Matthew chapter 7. Jesus is speaking, uh, and he says here pretty clearly, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, <laughs> but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Some of you have heard this before, yeah? Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. If I had a paper Bible, that would be something I'd underline. And if you have an electronic Bible, there's a, probably a way for you to highlight or underline there too. I'd encourage you to. 
Away from me, you evildoers. Something that strikes me about that portion of Scripture is that Jesus doesn't say, you never knew me. Have you really thought about that? Jesus doesn't say, you never knew me. He says, I never knew you. Which, why would Jesus say that, <laughs> right? This is one of those moments where if you've been here a while, I say, like, I get arrested by Scripture sometimes. And there's moments where I'm, and, like, I just have to stay there and pause and ponder. Why in the world would the Savior in the world, the Savior of the world, creator of all things, literally knows everything, say, I never knew you? Because it's clearly not talking about his knowledge of an individual, right? That's not a thing. There was plenty of, portion, plenty of times in Scripture where Jesus knew what was going to happen before it happened, so that's not it. He's making a point. He's making a point. I never knew you. It doesn't matter how many lyrics you know to Beyonce songs. She don't know you. It's okay. I can be real. It doesn't matter how many times you, like, you Google your favorite celebrity. It doesn't matter that the algorithm knows you want to see, like, you know, Garth Brooks and what's going on with him. Like, it doesn't matter. They don't know you. They don't know you. When you come to the concert, <laughs> front row, screaming the lyrics at the top of your lungs, expecting that that gets something for you. They're probably a little nicer than Jesus, so they're not going to say, turn away from me, evildoer. <laughs> but there really is no difference. There's no, that's, that's what Jesus is getting at. You being intimately aware of what I can do is not the same thing as me knowing you. You knowing that I care about my sheep is not the same thing as me knowing you. Have you ever ridden on the, on the highway in Nevada with me and not fallen asleep while I was driving? That's actually where you'll get to know me. Like, this is Jesus talking, <laughs> right? Because many of us check out when it gets boring. Let's just be real. It's okay. If I don't have an emotional high, if ain't nobody prophesying to me, if there's no dope music, I check out. I go to sleep spiritually. That's okay. We're family. We get to have convicting moments where we get to confess and tell the truth. We've been taught to. We've been taught that God's not moving unless my heart rate is moving faster. And so if it's a quiet moment, where I'm not sweating, then clearly the Holy Ghost isn't in the room. I'm telling you, that's what it feels like to be on the highway in Nevada. And I know everybody's looking for the lights of, of uh, Las Vegas, but there's a whole lot of desert that God wants to have conversations with us. And that's actually where we grow. It's in moments where nothing big is happening. It's in moments where there's nothing he's got to deliver me from. <laughs> moments where I don't need to know what's going to happen in the future. It's going to be another rock on the side of the road. 
that's actually where not only am I getting to know his power, he can say with confidence he knows me. I know him. We've spent intimate time together. That's the point that Jesus is making there. I don't care that you did big things. I remember the first few times I read that. And it was a it was a the conviction for me was make sure that my primary focus isn't just casting out demons in Jesus' name, not just the big things. And that that was good. But to be honest with you, I didn't allow that truth to trickle further down in me to say that I shouldn't expect big things. I have come in my culture as it relates to God since I've been walking with the Lord to expect only big things from God. And that's not, big, that's not God's fault. That's us. We've taught each other that God only wants to do big things. Matthew 25 31, Jesus is speaking again because he likes making people uncomfortable. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates sheep and goats, which that's another sermon one day. It's going to be a good one. (laughs) He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you, are, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. The righteous will answer the Lord, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly, I tell you, Whatever you did for the least of these, my brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. I tell you, the first few times I read that and studied that, I got really caught up on the idea of serving people, which I don't think is a bad thing at all. We got to do it. It's good. It's important. But when we look at the comparison of the people who expected Jesus to know him and what they came to him saying versus what Jesus said would actually make him know you, they're small. Like, I cast out demons in your name. Jesus said, did you give me something to drink when I was thirsty? (laughs) Huh? I healed people in your name. Did you come and just sit with me while I was sick? Have you ever thought about that? Maybe the Holy Spirit's in the moment when you go to actually call on somebody and you go to visit them, that the goal isn't for them to get healed that day. But the goal is for us to actually hang out where Jesus can be found. Whoo, that's not easy. Because we want a testimony. We want something big. I want to be able to come to church and say, I laid my hands on the sister and she got, she got healed from cancer. 
That's what I want. I'm going to be honest. I want that. That's what I want. I want every single time somebody calls me and they have marital troubles or, or when they call me and they have sickness in their body, that the Holy Spirit would move through my cell phone and rearrange cells in their body. But sometimes all he really wants is for me to just sit there in silence with them. I don't want that, though. I know it sounds funny, but I'm just being honest, right? This is a misconception that the Lord has been breaking up in me. I want something big. I want every single time I prepare my salvation pitch to somebody, the two minutes that I talk to them on the elevator, that they drop to their knees before they get out of the elevator and say, Jesus, I want you. But most of the time, they just really don't want him. And it's not my job, actually, to make them want him. And so I start tailoring my speech, tailoring my testimony so that I get the best reward because of what I want, not because of what God wants. And if I'm only chasing after being able to prophesy in his name, if I'm only chasing after being able to deliver people, heal people, cast out demons in his name, and never thinking, about perhaps he just wants me to pass my thirsty bro a cup of water, and that is more reflective of his character than the big moments. I'm the one with the misconception. It's not that God's not moving, fam. Whew. It's not that God's not moving. We're just looking in the wrong direction. We're looking for lights. And that doesn't mean that God doesn't do big. He does do big, right? We know he does big. He heals people without him even knowing he healed them. <laughs> Literally, right? The woman with the issue of blood, like, who touched me? <laughs> he don't even know who he healing half the time. It's just people being healed. But that's not, when we get before him, that's not actually what he's proud of us for. That's not the thing that he says, I, I know you about, is that the people whom I made myself appear with, let's break that down theologically real quick. When Jesus said, my brothers and sisters, he positions himself as a social peer with people who are incarcerated. He positions himself as a social peer with people who are sick. He, he, yes, we know he has all authority in, in, in earth, right? We know that. But socially, he positions himself to be socially peered with immigrants. I know that may make some of us uncomfortable, but that's what Jesus said. I'm not, I didn't say it. He said it. <laughs> he makes himself a social peer with the hungry, the thirsty, the lost, the alone, the marginalized, and says that when we are concerned about the insignificant needs of the marginalized, that's when. That's where we actually find him. That's actually where we are on the highway in Nevada, being with him, not looking for anything big, 
not anything spectacular, not some awesome testimony where somebody got delivered. So much so that we're surprised when he looks at us and says, yeah, when you were saying about that poor person, yeah, you were saying about me. What? Yeah. That's how I roll. When I said that I have had a misconception, it's because I've been the one who I've, I've had the misconception of chasing big. Jesus can do big, but if he hangs out in the small, why am I running from it? That's a convicting question. And what I mean by why am I running from it doesn't mean I'm running from doing small things for people. But I'm the opposite of small is big. So if I'm running toward big, I'm running from small. Right? I used to serve at a really large church. And to this day, to this day, I will randomly run into a person at the grocery store who knows me, who I do not know at all. And they will tell me about how when we were worshiping together, I was a, I was a worship leader there. And when we were worshiping together, they felt God moving and it was so great. And I literally don't know you. And let me tell you, that's not that big of a deal. But for me as a person, especially as a pastor, it breaks my heart for that person to believe that they were worshiping with me and I have no idea who they are. That's not... That isn't the design of God for biblical community. For two people to be experiencing something completely different in the same room, when we're talking about worshiping together, is not the design of God for a family. And that doesn't mean that every big church is a problem. Please don't hear me. I'm not saying that. That's not what I'm saying. But Sometimes in our pursuit of big, we miss an opportunity for the good that's in small, for the God that's in small. And there is something valuable about when we all feel the same thing in the room at the same time because you can look, you can be in the front row and look way back in the back and like, you feel that? I feel that. <laughs> And then afterwards, you can talk about it because you have each other's phone numbers. Did y'all feel that? We felt that. <laughs> Not seven years later at a GFS in the frozen food aisles, them talking about something that I literally can't remember. And I've never seen your face before in my life. That breaks my heart. I'm just letting you know that now. That breaks my heart. And so if you believe if you're, if you're part, if you feel like you're a part of the unison family and nobody knows you, I'm telling you now that you're living with a misconception about what church is. You don't need us for a good sermon. You don't need us for good songs. YouTube has got that on lock. It's okay. Just go listen to your favorite worship music and look up your favorite preacher and you're good. 
This is not about a sermon. This is not about worship music. This is about community. This is about us belonging to a group of people and, and feeling like I'm more than myself, Be, having people to grieve with. When I'm facing something in my life that I've never seen before or nobody in my past has been able to walk me through, who do I talk to? Some people are like, yeah, you could just talk to the Holy Spirit. Yeah, but it's always been a part of the Holy Spirit's plan for the community to work together. Always been. So what, he's just going to abandon his plan because of our misconceptions? No, that's not it. We're the ones who only get half of God's desire for us when we live with these misconceptions. <laughs> it's his desire that we live full lives. And a part of a full life isn't just the big. It's also the small. He won't withhold from us the big, right? But let us not ignore him in the small, because he's not withholding that either. I've just been taught to look for big. Me, I've been taught, not him. It's not that he hasn't been whispering. I've just only been listening for him yelling. Another couple of things. Big isn't bad, right? It's just an earthly measure of success that doesn't always translate well in the kingdom. That's all. Sometimes when we preach messages like this, as preachers, we want to, like, we want to create a significant contrast so that we help people know, you know where we're going. And I don't want that to be the case, right? I'm not saying let's go from big to now having the misconception of only looking for God in small. No, that's not what it is. It's just not a, a measure of success that always translates well in the kingdom of God. It doesn't. And we have to be the ones that are, like, discerning God, do you want us to actually have more there? Some of us have never even imagined asking that question. God, do you want me to have more in my finances? Jesus was a homeless man. Do you feel like if he, if he, that he could not have figured out a home? <laughs> do you feel like he couldn't have had a better career than Carpenter? I know everything around me tells me to chase more money. And even sometimes in the church, we process, like, that's how we know that God is moving in your life is because you don't have any financial struggle. Well, is that true from a biblical standpoint of the Savior of the world was a homeless carpenter? Just something for us to ponder. I'm not telling you having money is bad. But I am saying that if you never go to the Lord and ask, do you actually want me? to have six figures? Am I going to miss something in the two figures that I, that I will not get in the six? Whew. That's it, right? Hear me. I'm not saying it's bad to want more. I'm saying that we need to want what God wants more than we want more. We need to want what God wants more than we want big. And if I'm never willing 
to be uncomfortable with him, then I'm missing out on more. I'm missing out on the more of him. <laughs> Last thing, small isn't always good, but healthy small possesses a humility that is reflective of the kingdom. Healthy, unhealthy small is no better than <laughs> unhealthy big. They're both unhealthy. <laughs> There's a bunch of small little bands of believers out here not preaching the Bible, and they, that's, they can stay where they are, stay small. <laughs> Nobody needs that. <laughs> but one of the things that I have really, really in the last maybe, maybe year, year and a half um, grown more content with is if unison never grows, it never is any bigger than we are right now. Is God glorified in how we disciple one another? And is that more valuable than us being able to have 2,000 people be a part of our family? Right? Processing that. Like, I've gotten to that place where I was kind of rebellious to the idea of being big before, but now, honestly, being in a space of humility and saying, um, you know, it was funny, actually, I never told you this, Rachel, who's running our slides today, um, um, a part of actually how I landed at this place and how the Holy Spirit has really worked this in me is because I started a Bible study about two years ago. <laughs> and Rachel was the only person in the Bible study for like a year and a half. <laughs> And it just was what it was. Like, we went through Proverbs, went through a couple of other books. We're like, and there's a part of you that when you're in that space, that you immediately start thinking, what am I doing wrong? Okay, am I marketing it right? Was the, was, when I, when I put the announcement on Facebook, was there enough colors in it? Like, did it look enough like a picture for people to be tricked into reading it? Like, <laughs> right? <laughs> did I tell, did I announce it enough? Is it on the right day? All the while, my sister and I are growing in the Lord I get to watch milestone moments happen in her life. Understanding of the Bible going through the roof. And getting into a space where even I can say with contentment, God, if when I see you on your throne, you just remind me of that year and a half where Rachel and I had Bible study. That's cool. <laughs> right? That's not easy for us as Americans, but that is the kingdom of God. It's okay that we don't chase after big and more. That's not the same thing as being lazy or being poor stewards. It's just having a balance that says God wants to do some things in a year and a half that he actually can't do if there are more people in this Bible study chase. And you need to be content with that. And that's okay. That's okay. There's some things that need to get in you and out of you that are not going to get in or out of you by you getting that raise. 
And so that doesn't mean I'm withholding something good, but I do have more than just one form of good for you. It's okay for us to not chase it. So the misconception that God has been breaking up in me has been that I have to chase big. That's the misconception that the Holy Spirit's been breaking up in me is that I have to chase big. And I was like, okay, does that mean that I can't want big? <laughs> like, nope. But when we chase Christ, big, small, medium, or otherwise, we experience the fullness that Christ promised us. And that is more important and more valuable to me and more valuable in the kingdom than just being big or just having more or just being able to be satisfied with being able to say, I meet the measurements of earthly success. And fam, I want that for us because many of us have anxiety about certain things in our life and it's not because they're bad. It's because we've been taught to expect more. And God's like, be cool where you are. You're okay. You're fine. It's okay. I actually want to hang out with you right there for a little bit. Yeah, but I'm juggling my bills, God. Yep, I know, and I got you. Where do you think you got the ability to juggle from? How long am I have to juggle? And, t- and t- listen, are your lights on, fam? Look, <laughs> do you look in your refrigerator? I know you just ordered out, so <laughs> and you got reserves, okay? I know you want to be comfortable, but hang out with me in your discomfort for a little bit. The will of the Father is not as complex often as we make it. The will of the Father is that we would seek him with our whole heart, and in these moments, that's my invitation to you. Is to you get to seek the Father. Just seek him. And so here's uh, in this moment where we're talking about misconceptions. Some of you, this brought some things up in you, right, about misconceptions that you've had in your own heart as it relates to chasing big. And I just want to give you a moment to exhale them, all right, to exhale that chasing after something that the world has taught you will give you this belief that you are succeeding and embrace, inhale, the will of the Father for us to be content where we are and trust him. So a couple things I'll, um, uh, we'll, have a couple of, in any, some folks who might need some prayer, you can come up after we get done, which is totally fine. There'll be a couple people up here that are willing to pray with you. Um, but before we go, I want to give you an opportunity just where you are to just be. There's two things that you can do with that. If you, um, some of you are like, hey, I want to like pray with somebody near me, I actually want to encourage you to pray with someone near you. 
Um, if you're sitting next to someone or you feel like, hey, there's somebody on the other side of the room whom I want to pray with and I want to actually even say out loud what big I've been chasing, <laughs> um, sometimes confessing those things are valuable. And so I'm going to give you an opportunity to do so, to just say it out loud. That's not a requirement, right? I'm not telling you you have to. Um, but then I'm, I'm going to just hop on this piano for a little bit, play for a little while, and then, um, and, and also prayer partners, you can come as also while I pray, and then I'll wrap us up in prayer afterwards, okay? So, Father, we know that you are big. <laughs> God, we know that you do big things. God, we know that you are able to do exceedingly, abundantly more than we can ask or think. And God, we confess that we've only interpreted that sometimes as you wanting to do bigger than we can imagine. And sometimes, Lord, you want to do smaller than we can imagine. And you want to break heaven wide open with small things like visiting people in prison. Lord, ultimately, it is our heart's desire God, that you be glorified. But there's also a desire in us because you've also taught us to desire this, that when we stand before your throne, that you get to say to us, well done, my good and faithful servant. You get to say to us, enjoy this kingdom, which was designed for you before the foundations of the world. You cared for me when you cared for the least of these, my brothers and sisters. Give us grace when the world around us what makes us anxious about chasing something bigger. To be at peace and to seek you. We honor you, Lord. We trust you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. You can stick around and pray if you like. I'll still play for a little while, but you also can head out. Love y'all. See you next week. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and believe others could benefit from hearing about us, please remember to share and subscribe to Unison Christian Church wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also catch us live at unisongr.com or on Facebook. See you next week.